Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. This podcast is focused on the promise and challenges of ultrasound media delivery from the 2023 POD Partnership Opportunities in Drug Delivery Conference. For more information on the POD Conference, editorial, podcasts, or webcasts, please visit podconference.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Thank you for coming to the uh, session on ultrasound. And as you see, you know, our topic here today is very different than the others in the cell and gene delivery track. And there's a reason for this. Um, and so if I can have the one slide that I was going to give as an introduction, if that can pop. Very good. Thank you. Oh, right. So they're not the same. Okay. Um, and I think this might be a surprise to you who haven't seen this. You didn't weren't here last year, and I'm sure the panelists have not seen this because they weren't here last year. And basically, um, let me frame the question, right? First of all, we're here to treat disease. We're not here just to invent a technology. So whatever appropriate to treat the disease, that's what we should go for. And last year, I put up this slide, and it uh, evoked a lot of conversation on what we should be looking at, because I framed the question on the left-hand side basically on the disease. What disease are we trying to treat? And these just happen to be, at that time, the disease areas in Takeda, right? And then on the other side are the discovery groups, and they're creating all these APIs. Now, of course, small molecules is included here. I just didn't put it in here because that's, you know, we understand that. But we have novel technologies that are coming out, and the delivery systems for each of those are not the same. And so for drug delivery, we have to draw a line from your API type to a delivery system that's in the middle to the disease on the other side. If we only consider a technology in the middle without doing the bridge between the two, uh, we're going to run into problems, right? And what I said last time was, uh, in my way of thinking, and even Bob Langer's you know, ideas fall into three, three, three major buckets. The first bucket, foundational particles. You know, LNPs, we, this entire session had been on LNPs and other types of uh, polymeric delivery, right? And that's established as foundational, we need that. So we're talking about LNPs, liposomes, you know, uh, polymers that can put your APIs inside. Um, but that's level one. Level two, energy, right? Technology has progressed. It's my job not to look at what we need now. We have to think about what's going to come in five years, 10 years, 15 years. And the astounding progress in energy systems is really remarkable now. Uh, many companies uh, that are focused uh, on like ultrasound have emerged in the past you know, three, four years. And we have to pay attention because that is now a therapeutic modality we have to consider. Right? So it's not just particles alone. We have to think about energy. And of course, I mentioned ultrasound, magnetic, thermal, and the last category is materials. In case you want to deliver cells, you have to put it in something. Um, but what had happened after the pod meeting, the organizers, you know, thank you for inviting me back, right, said, since there was such a response for ultrasound, shouldn't we have a panel discussion on this? And here we are, esteemed guests, and these are all luminaries in their field. And I'm just like amazed how we were able to get a panel like this to come on, um, especially Isabel. I mean, she's the Taylor Swift of therapeutic ultrasound. <laughs> you sure you get an autograph of her, you know, on your program you before you leave. Okay. <laughs> put pressure on. <laughs> All right. So, with that introduction. Uh, let's start diving into some questions. But let's do an introduction for all the people. Isabel, would you like to start? 
Thank you so much for your kind introduction. I do not sing. Don't even think about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm uh, Isabelle Aubert. I'm a senior scientist at Sunnybrook and a professor at the University of Toronto. Um, I, I lead the brain repair group at Sunnybrook. And um, yeah, that's it. Never sat so close to Taylor Swift before. It's an <laughs> honor, <laughs> Isabelle. Um, good afternoon. Thank you for having us. It's a, a privilege to be on this stage with everyone here. My name is Arjun Desai. Um, I serve as the Chief Strategic Innovation Officer for Insight Tech uh, across both our commercial platforms and our biopharmaceutical division. Thank you. Good afternoon, and thanks for the invitation, Vincent. And I think it's very nice to have this uh, panel here now because this is an emerging modality. My name is Per Walde. I'm the CEO of Exact Therapeutics, who are developing a specific uh, deposit tracer kind of, of technology to enhance delivery into specific tissues using ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, uh, thanks, thanks again, Vincent, uh, for uh, uh, making me you know, part of the panel. So I'm the current CEO of Oxonix, which is a spin-off from one of the Oxford University lab, prominent in the development of ultrasound-based technologies. Uh, and um, not similarly to, to pair, you know, the company has developed a unique ultrasound-mediated drug delivery platform for oncology first, mm -hmm. which includes, you know, an ultrasound engine and sonosensitive particles. Thank you. Okay. So this uh, starts off then the question period, all right? And I think we should start with Isabel because she, understand what, she understands what the state of the art for therapeutic ultrasound is. And it'll be really great when we hear from JJ too because she's on the academic side where all the clinical research or a lot of the clinical research was done in Sunnybrook. And Insight Tech, of course, is the world leader in therapeutic ultrasound. So it'd be really great at least to start off with, Isabel, talk about the clinical path and, you know, what, what is available now and what do you, what do you, how you got here. Sure, thanks so much. So at Sunnybrook, we're fortunate that we go from device development to preclinical testing in animal models of all sorts of disease, and that's my job. And then it moves into the clinical trials. So on the device development, it's Dr. Clervo Hinnanen, who is a pioneer in focus ultrasound. So really, him and his team are developing a lot of the device. We work also with InsightTech, which is great. So the way that it happened is actually that on the preclinical side, we we did work very hard for many years and many people before us as well. And the evidence was there. But on the clinical side, there was a lot of controversy. Let's put it this way, that you're doing what to the blood-brain barrier? Mm, I don't know about that. So we really proved the efficacy preclinically. And really, the turning point was in 2015, when we were the first one to open the blood-brain barrier in a patient with cancer and chemotherapy. 2018 was Alzheimer's disease patient. 2018 was uh, Parkinson's, uh, ALS, sorry, first, and then Parkinson's disease. And then we move even in children for some cancer form. So we knew have several different patient population that have received ultrasound uh, blood-brain barrier modulation, some with therapeutics, some without. As a safety, we always do without first. And of course, many other centers around the world that maybe Ajay will speak about that. Arjun, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. JJ? Yeah, I, you know, I think if we look forward, there's absolutely going to be an ultrasound service line in every hospital in the world, and it's gonna look like proton therapy or radiation therapy. And I think in large part, a lot of that's due to the success of what Isabel and her colleagues at Sunnybrook and investigators around the world have been able to develop. And you know, this has been going on for 10 years. Um, 
I actually first got exposed to ultrasound, I, I sort of led a big part of external innovation at J&J, &J, and we were trying to get our therapeutics across the blood-brain barrier like everyone else, and I went to this small little focused ultrasound foundation symposium in Virginia, and I was absolutely blown away by how much evidence had been generated over the better part of a decade. So this isn't an overnight success story. It's been 10 years of hard work and translation. Um, you know, on our platform, I think, as, a, as approaching it from a device excellence, we just want to be a very consistent, very reliable, very safe opportunity to, to provide a pathway for therapeutics to enter where they've never been able to enter with a meaningful you know, estimation of dosage and target site activity. I think we've gotten pretty close to being able to replicate that. And we had to do it painstakingly to prove that at small dosages, at large dosages, in every disease state, we're not adding any controversy to the landscape of follow-up. And to go beyond what Isabel was saying is it's not only a one, it's not a one-time opening. We open every two weeks, every four weeks, every six weeks in perpetuity along the course of a therapeutic delivery. Um, and some of the, what we're talking about today, it's a one, two, maybe four-time opening. But the evidence generation to support moving into efficacy trials, uh, building up a cohort of you know 50-plus centers around the world now doing this, many of brand names you've heard of, uh, is going to be the next revolution of efficacy, which is what we're all really focused on right now. Thank you. And Per, would you like to talk about your company's technology and how you're changing the world? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very much so. So uh, what we're doing at Exact Therapeutics, we're based in Norway, and Norway is really, to a large extent, the cradle of, of medical ultrasound. So we have a lot of competence in the country on this specific aspect. WingMed, and Nycomed Imaging were on two sides. Nycomed Imaging was one of the pioneers in, in uh, creating the contrast agents, the microbubbles. And WingMed is really what was bought by G Healthcare and is the basis for most of the ultrasound machines that are out there in the world today. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a really good place to be with a lot of competence. And what Nycomed did was to develop a specific uh, technology where you can use ultrasound to actually deposit the bubbles that you inject in a specific tissue, and they stay there for minutes, and then you can manipulate these bubbles with ultrasound to increase and enhance, uh, to increase delivery and enhance the effect of, of therapeutics. So we are taking this technology has been spun out of GE Healthcare, uh, and uh, we're taking this uh, into the clinic. We just recently reported our first clinical results with this mm -hmm. in a study at Royal Marston uh, with really highly encouraging results and uh, no safety concerns whatsoever. Uh, and now we're moving into pancreatic cancer, which I think is one of the areas where you really have a delivery problem. You need a better, something that can break down the dense stroma and make sure that you get sufficient delivery of drug into, uh, in, into the cancer. Uh, so that's where we're heading. In addition, I mean, this is a platform technology, so in addition to that, we're looking at all different sorts of, of applications that we can use this for, including, of course, the CNS uh, as, as a potential application. Thank you. And Jerome, would you like to talk about Oxonics and their strategy? Yeah, of course. Uh, so we want to make sure an innovative product, you know, will reach the market one day, because most of the innovation might not even reach the market. Mm -hmm. So to do that, you know, we build on the mantra of the company, which is to successfully achieve the last mile delivery of any cancer drugs from blood to, to the tumor. So we are now in the clinical phase. We addressing, you know, primary colorectal cancer patient. We treating metastasis in the liver. Why? Because ultrasound 
uh, is a proven modality for treating you know, metastasis and lesion in the liver. Uh, we've got a very astonishingly spectacular preclinical result for any asset class in the therapeutic agent of anti-cancer drugs. Varies from 3x up to 50x from monoclonal antibodies to ADCs and vaccine. Uh, we are not distracting too much the standard of care delivery with the clinical trial. So we're using cetuximab, birinotecan, and fulfiri. And we are now having you know, very strong preliminary efficacy results showing almost a full destruction of treated lesion in the liver. So we're very confident that we can really move the needle in oncology. Uh, we, we also think to deploy the product, which is Sonotran, which is the flagship product, again, encompassing you know, ultrasound engine and sonosensitive particle, uh, into over application, but we need to be focused first on oncology. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, right now, it's clear that with uh, son operation and uh, an ultrasound, it, you're not really restricted to brain and tumor. You can aim at other organs as well, too, but uh, I think your, your comment is correct. You know, oncology has the most, uh, what I consider, delta G. You know, there's most driving force toward, uh, toward treat, uh, treating that. So as a result, it's a natural place to be. And, of course, no one really wants to have a, uh, invasive techniques for entering the brain, and that makes total sense to have a, a neuroscience and a brain delivery as being you know, a, a critical part of this type of technology. But you know, the interesting thing about ultrasound is that unlike doing a simple formulation, even though they're not so simple for LNPs, right, um, there are many aspects to it. There's a, first of all, you need the API, you need a bubble system so that you can cavitate, and you need the transducer. So all these three things have to come in play in order to have an effective delivery system. Um, and it's not so easy when these three items may be controlled by different place, players, right? You have the pharma that has the API, and then you have a, maybe a device company like GE that has the machine, um, and then the, the bubble. Sometimes it's a proprietary bubble, right? And so all these things have to really coalesce in order for the field to go forward. And this creates a lot of challenges, no matter how you cut it, right? And so, was, and so the next set of questions then would come about, what challenges have you met in this path, and how do you overcome them? So, Jerome, would you like to comment on that? Well, I think three words, education, education, education. Mm -hmm. Education to patient, education to physician, and education to the pharma industry. There is no way we can be successful without collaborating from an end to an end-to-end -end integrated ecosystem with pharma player because we are an enabling technology provider that enabling you know, the pharma to improve therapeutics index of the asset class. So I think this is very key that, and, and that stuns me you know, over the last couple of days is there is a strong opportunity you know, for better pushing ultrasound-based innovation in that kind of forum for discussion mm -hmm. because this is absolutely needed. Mm -hmm. And we want also to tap with the top-notch clinician, mm -hmm. which have already a deep expertise in ultrasound mm -hmm. and, and developing you know, clinical evidence because it's one thing you know, to be backed by very good science, but you need to keep on delivering strong clinical evidence mm -hmm. about effectiveness and efficacy, especially when you treat cancer patients. Thank you. 
compare from the challenges that you've seen? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, there are challenges in relation to this is combination products, but uh, there are solutions to those challenges. And we need to, I think this is what we're doing now is very important because, as you say, education uh, is part of this. Ultrasound is a non-invasive system to really look at where you want to deliver and be able to deliver more of the drug or the nanoparticle or whatever it, liposome, whatever it is you have into increase the payload into this. And I think there's a, clearly a place for this, and this is happening now. And I think the pharma partners will, will see that this is uh, an, uh, an opportunity they can't miss over time. Uh, because some of the results that we're getting, both within the CNS that uh, we're working on and in oncology, are quite good. Uh, so uh, there are a number of different applications with this uh, that can be used. So I think the, the, the thing is that you need to make it as user-friendly and as patient-friendly as you can to have as lean system as possible so that it is not interfering too much with the normal flow of what you're doing in, in the hospitals. And that's really what we're striving for. Mm -hmm. No, that's kind of interesting because uh, what you say is very true. You have to get the clinicians to buy in. Because if you don't have that, then your driving force through a pharma company is going to be very, very difficult. And, you know, that's kind of interesting because, you know, for JJ and Isabel, you've already been through this because InsightTech, your machine, is already uh, used for drug delivery and, um, and direct therapeutic purposes, right? And so you must have gone through this barrier somehow. Can you talk about the challenges that you faced and how you pushed through? So, JJ? Yeah, um, I would echo everything that's set up here. It, the more you can say it in as many forms possible as you can say it, I, I still joke that we're the best kept secret in all of neurosciences, focus ultrasound. Most people have never heard of it when you first talk about it. Um, but, you know, in our setting, there's two things that have been helpful. And even that, it's been a high hurdle rate in conversations. Most of the, you know, the first sets of conversations three, four years ago, it's just blank faces on the other side of the room if you're in a pharmaceutical discussion. But the two things that I think really have given us the ability to leap forward is, one, we have a commercial business using high-frequency ultrasound where we've established there is a pathway to bring a novel therapy at very large scale globally as a standard of care with global reimbursements. That is a very big de-risking platform to be able to say, hey, we've done it once, we can do it multiple times. The second one is leading through evidence. And so we tried to have some of the same conversations that we're having now four or five years ago. We didn't have 500 patients worth of data. We didn't have 50 centers around the world. So we had to de-risk all the elements that everybody can easily say, well, come back to us when you have dot, dot, dot. And I think it's about timing, number one, in the de-risking. And then it's a little bit of luck on who's sitting across the table. And I would just say that having the right business development partner at the same time as the right scientific partner is absolutely critical. And the more that you can get away from phased programs in large pharma, which you know nobody's interested in changing the budget or the purview on those to, to a blended average of biotech and, and pharma, the more shots on goal you'll have. And I think that's where you know, we've started to find success in the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I echo what was said here, and timing is often everything. I think it's a, it's been at least 15 years I've started in that, and going to pharmaceutical company, and they had a good therapeutic or a gene carrier, and you know, trying to approach them and say, hey, we could get more with focus ultrasound. And for those of you who don't know, for brain delivery, it's a transcranial, there's no surgery, there's microbubbles injected in the bloodstream, it gets to the brain circulation, and then with the ultrasound, uh, you just 
make the bubble oscillate, and you can then inject your therapeutic in the blood, and it will get in the brain where you have it guided by MRI. So you could be very precise and see with MR imaging where you want exactly the therapeutic to go, or you could do also a large surface if you want to have it like in different places. And the resistance was more like, oh, well, no, because our drug or our gene carrier will get into the brain. And it's true, but I think it comes back to the first platform where it gets to some extent. It's like you don't need one delivery for all of your therapeutic. And if you want to see how much more can we get and would it be better? Would it be more efficient if we get a little bit more in this brain region? So I think it's worth trying. And of course, I don't own anything. So <laughs> you know, I'm the academic, so that's easier said. <laughs> but I think that's what in, in the collaboration effort, you know, how can we come together and make this happen? No, I, I think this is a fascinating discussion, and we've talked about so many different aspects of this. It can go on for hours and hours and hours. And by the way, I mean, if you really want to learn about ultrasound, this 30-minute session is not going to do it, right? Please talk to the experts, not me, talk to them. <laughs> and, uh, and if there's a certain type of technology you really, really want to learn about, you know, schedule a conversation afterwards you know, when people go home. And I, I know that you know, Isabel, she gives wonderful lectures on the history of ultrasound, and I've heard it before, and it's very, very excellent. Um, so one thing to keep in mind, too, is that uh, so far we've been talking about the ultrasound side of things. And let's talk about the payload side, things that can be delivered. Okay. So it's one thing to have a delivery system, but what exactly do you want to deliver? Right? And the interesting thing is that sometimes, especially if you're in a pharmaceutical company, right, the very mantra of being in a pharmaceutical company is that you want to invent a new molecule because that's where your value proposition lies, is, the, is basically having IP on a new you know, API. That's, that's the name of the game. Um, but the problem is that if you have a new delivery system that hasn't been paired with this before, if something goes wrong, you don't know if it's the API or if it's the delivery system, right? I think it's really great that the more uh, patient data we have from you know, Sunny Brooks showing that uh, neuroscience or uh, neural delivery is not so toxic. You know, repeated dose might be tolerable, it might lower the fear level for brain delivery. But then after that, what exactly do you want to deliver and where, right? And so, so maybe, Isabel, you can start off with what kind of molecules do you think are the lowest hanging fruit for you? Sure. So briefly, anything that is good or neutral in the periphery and better when it gets into the brain, that's the first go-to. And I think for all of the drugs that have been tested and have a lot of safety study, those would be the one, again, mentioned in the previous panel. But if you have something that is already you know, there and safe, it would be the first one to be combined with the device, like an ultrasound device, and get to the clinic faster. And also, one point I would like to make is that we found that the blood-brain barrier is much more uh, permeable. JJ alluded to that, but not permeable, but plastic. So after it seals within one hour, even in some patients, a recent study in 2023, like we seal in patient within an hour. We often see we test in patient 24 hours, 48 hours as well. So it's much more plastic than we thought in the textbook. And also, uh, it, the focus ultrasound induce some form of regenerative events in the brain. It was shown also to reduce amyloid beta uh, in mouse model, and it's trending toward the same in patients with Alzheimer's disease. It can impact tau pathology and reducing tau pathology as well. So it induces hippocampal neurogenesis. There are a lot of effects that we find that were not expected, that are very, very exciting as a neuromodulation uh, event as well. Thank you. 
Uh, JJ, do you have any preferred molecules you would like to tackle first? Yeah, I, you know, if we take a step back and we looked at the way that specific to neuro, we've designed phase three trials, we, we take a drug that we know is not penetrating. Even, you know, I'll reference Timidar, which has been the standard of care designation simply because we've not had anything better. It treats 50% of the GBM population and it's blood to tissue penetration is about as poor as it gets, even though people say it crosses the BBB, it really doesn't. Um, so if you can think about the biology of what you're trying to deliver, you know, Isabel talked about the mechanism of action. We're just simple plumbing. We match peak plasma concentration of what's in circulation and give it a direct pathway to the target that it's going to. And so there's small molecule delivery that makes a ton of sense. Um, there's large molecule and we've proven we can get everything through a cell. Uh, across. And so if you just take a step back, I would say matching the highest evidence of biological activity at the site of what you're trying to treat and starting there and realizing that you can deliver a much less toxic dose. Um, and there's other elements where Isabel has alluded to that the, the scientific community has developed. It's not just a delivery mechanism. There's delivery, there's you know, immune kindling, which has been described in multi-mechanisms that potentiates an immunotherapy or potentiates an actual, you know, immune clearance. And then, you know, there's clinical trials, including one that we're enrolling, that allows you to diagnostically evaluate certain settings in the brain by peripheral blood extrapolation. So it's a two-way, uh, you know, gated entry system. Uh, but, you know, I think if you reduce it down to just the, the basic question of what's going to be most biologically active, if you can eliminate the barrier and do it in a relevant systemic dose that's not toxic, uh, you've got probably 1,500 different compounds you can work with, ranging from small to large molecules. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of clinical trials you can try. <laughs> now, it's interesting as we transition to more oncology, uh, one of the features in oncology that's not quite the same as uh, neuroscience is that if you have a tumor, usually you have more than one, unless you have very localized tumors. So as a result, you have to consider if you're zapping one tumor, you know, uh, what's going to happen to the other ones, maybe the ones that you can't see. And so that'll also influence your uh, drug selection uh, if you go on into the future. And so have you considered you know, that type of problem, uh, Per? So the, the way we're doing this to start with is to really work with standard of care today, which is being used to treat these patients and, of course, uh, treat all the different uh, lesions because it's systemic. But then we, with this technology, can really enhance the delivery in the areas or in the tumors where you most need to get, uh, like the big solid tumors or metastasis, that where you need to get sufficient drug uh, delivered. So that's, that's how we start to work with this. Uh, and then you need to find the right indication. So we're moving into locally advanced pancreatic cancer. Uh, and there is an opportunity there if you can uh, treat this at an early, sufficient early stage to be able to actually have a good systemic response to this and uh, probably a good, uh, better survival. Uh, and there are some um, publications now indicating that this is actually possible with, uh, with ultrasound and target delivery in that specific indication. So having said this, I think it's, it's important to say that I, I see two primary areas here. We've tested our technology with all sorts of drugs, from liposomes to nanoparticles to biologics of, of different kinds. And it, it's more or less universal, as, as J.J. says. You can deliver almost anything. So it's uh, really where you have barriers to delivery, 
uh, like in the brain and in some tumors like the pancreas, the pancreatic tumors, there you can have a really good uh, benefit of this technology. And it's also where you have problems getting sufficient payload of different uh, things that can, cannot get sufficiently out of the blood into the tissue. Uh, and there's a number of things that have been discussed today uh, that, that really needs better delivery into the tissues. Yeah, and for Jerome, I'll, I'll, uh, same question, a little bit of a curveball. Uh, you know, what drugs do you like? And also, have you ever considered rescuing drugs that have failed before? Well, that's a very great question. Uh, as I mentioned right at the beginning, we are drug agnostic without any drug reformulation. We're not a nano-carrier kind of, you know, uh, technology. So the technology is really drug agnostic. We stick to the standard of care because, surprisingly, Cetuximab and Herbitux have no threat with biosimilar yet, but uh, this is the marketed drugs already. Uh, we also believe that the number one core item in our strategy is the patient care. And we should be striving, doing the best we can to reduce cytotoxy. For instance, ADCs are very cytotoxic drugs. So I know this might be a little bit provocative for the pharma partners in the room, but if we will be able to demonstrate by lowering the dose, we can achieve the same efficacy. That's a win-win-win equation for the pharma, for Oxonics, and more importantly, for the patient. Well, that's actually very true. I mean, I, I can see how that can take place in a large pharma where you want to increase the therapeutic index and the lower the amount of drug that you can place, then everybody's happy. It would be really great to have uh, even test systems in place in-house uh, just to see if ultrasound can benefit a drug before uh, it actually goes into clinical trial. But that could be you know, further on. And, uh, and, but it's a good future to look forward to. So with that, I think our session comes to an end. So please talk to our guests here. And you know, thank you for the panelists all thank here you. for contributing. Thank you, Vincent. Wonderful talk. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For more information about the pod conference, editorial, podcasts, or webcasts, please visit podconference.com. Thanks for listening.